Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Lockdown Flames. Today, we're doing a little bit of a free agency tracker with Seth Topol from Locked On Minnesota Wild and from another playoff team doing nothing to ultimately losing one of their productive players. What are they doing? What does this mean for their future? And how about Marc-Andre Fleury signing another extension? Your Locked On Flames, your daily podcast on the Calgary Flames. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode of Locked On Flames. As always, I'm Jess Belmosto, and today... I am joined by Locked On Minnesota Wild host Seth Topol as we talk all about the latest do-nothings <laughs> in the Western Conference and, of course, you know, how that can be very relatable for us Flames fans right now. Now, when this is going up, this is pre-recorded because right now I'm currently on vacation, hopefully at Six Flags when you're watching this. So things could change, but... Let's dive right in. Alrighty, everyone. So here is Seth Topol of Locked on Minnesota Wild, which is a fantastic show. So you definitely should check it out. Seth, how are you doing today? Doing good. Just uh, kicking my feet up and watching as all of this free agency craziness happens and uh, just wondering what Bill Guerin has up his sleeve. Absolutely. And, you know, I think everyone was kind of just waiting for the first shoe to drop with Johnny Gaudreau signing and, you know, Nazem Kadri even, who's still on the market. Um, what are some initial needs for the Wild? And who do you think would be a good fit or would have been a good fit? You know, it's funny because Bill Guerin's been pretty adamant about the fact that the team is pretty much set as we head into free agency. Um, obviously, with the Cam Talbot trade, that uh, that changed up the uh, the goalie rotation a little bit. But that was one of the things that Guerin worked on throughout the season into the beginning of the offseason was just trying to get the roster as close to ready as we possibly could have it so that he didn't have to necessarily worry about getting into bidding wars for mm. other players. You know, it was, I completely forgot about this last off season, the wild were heavily interested in trying to get Nick Felino to, uh, to sign with the wild as, um, as he was a free agent. Yeah. Didn't end up working out because, it kind of got dragged out and the wild tried to make it happen, but they had a particular number. They weren't going to go higher than ended up going to, uh, to Boston, I believe. And, yeah. um, you know, he's trying to avoid those types of situations. Now, obviously looking for like a bottom six guy to just throw into the mix as maybe somebody that can start otherwise be like that 13th forward and uh, maybe somebody on defense as well. But, what we see is pretty much what we're going to get unless somebody absolutely just makes too much sense to slot into the puzzle. But, you know, I joked um, after the draft before free agency, I said, 
geez, Bill must have a uh, he must have a vacation planned or something because it seems like everything is basically just ready to rock, with the exception of some tinkering in mm-hmm. free agency. I was gonna say he must be planning a nice vacation somewhere where there's like no cell phone reception, there's no Wi-Fi, because he just he doesn't sound like not that he doesn't want to do work, but he doesn't like you said he doesn't want to get into the nitty gritty of the bidding and trying to outsmart and outplay another GM. Well, I think it's it's showing him trying to be practical during the worst of these buyout seasons. You know, we've got the 12 million in dead cap this season and then it bumps up to 14 for the next 2 years after that. And so, you know, if if you have a limited amount of money, you go a little further to try to make sure that you've got it planned out. You can say, okay, I've got this taken care of, this taken care of, this taken care of. Here's what I have left. And so he's he's been trying to, I think, just have as much taken care of as he possibly can. And yeah, if he finds somebody that just is a really great value, they're going to go for it. But you look at where this team is set pretty, pretty much and Kevin Fiala's spot, you'd expect – will be taken over by Marco Rossi. Um, the backup goalie situation, it's going to be Philip Gustafson. I think there was some question as to if he would be on the NHL roster or not. Uh, turns out, as Ross of uh, Locked On Senators told me when we were discussing the trade, turns out the final year of his deal is basically an NHL contract. And so if he were to get sent down, he'd have to clear waivers. He's going to be the backup. So that spot is set. So really, you're just you're looking for depth guys, and they they made a few Iowa signings just to kind of bolster the AHL team. Mm-hmm. So at this point, you're really you're just you're window shopping. You're looking for maybe one or two pieces, and that's really about it. Yeah, and you know it's such an interesting thing to bring up the buyouts because I remember when all of that was happening last summer, and it was just kind of like, okay, well the Wild are making a push, like a true push for the Stanley Cup. They're a very competitive team. They, they're they just, it's dead money. It's dead weight. They can't bring on another, you know, superstar with no money, basically. And do you think that, um, you know, say next year or the year after, that that dead cap is going to come back and bite the team in the butt? I think it, what it shows, what that dead cap is going to do is that, you know, this team that Bill Guerin has currently constructed, he's going to ride with it as much as he can. But as the team, you know, let's say they they don't perform at nearly the level they did this last year, that's going to lead to probably some moves at the trade deadline. Mm-hmm. And it's probably then going to lead to some subsequent moves in the offseason. And I think the I think the design is going to be for the Wild to just replace those spots with younger players you've got the likes of say Adam Beckman who really showed well in training camp this past season just wasn't quite ready to make Mm -hmm. the team maybe he takes a jump this year and if you have somebody that you deal at the trade deadline maybe he ends up getting those final handful of games to just really see what he's got and they're going to do more and more of that with the hope that they can get a bunch of these young guys be ready to go you'd hope that Jesper Wallstead is the number one goalie by then you'd hope that you've got Matt Boldy Marco Rossi 
mm-hmm. maybe an Adam Beckman and a couple of other guys that are really showing well so that you can take advantage of those cheaper entry-level contracts. And then you can go throw $15 million at whatever you need uh, because you'll have Kirill Kaprizov, and the hope is that you'll have a few other players that have really exceeded expectations that can match him mm-hmm. so that once these buyouts are done, full bore into the window to compete for a Stanley Cup. Yeah. You know, that's a really good way of looking at it because, you know, it's a lot easier to compete with those $800,000 contracts versus bringing, you know, a 9.5, $8.5 million guy onto your roster. And, you know, that's something that I think is a good thing to remember, especially for Flames fans. There's a few prospects that could absolutely make the jump next season and, or I guess this upcoming season. And you're dealing with that money versus big, a big chunk of change. But coming up next, we are absolutely going to talk more about Kevin Fiala, Kevin Fiala in the loss and how that's going to be felt around the locker room and on the ice as well. But first, let's talk about um, Built Bars. Built Bars are a delicious tasting protein bar that everyone needs in their life. Seth, do you have a favorite flavor? Boy, you know, I... It seems like every time we get a chance to to sample a new flavor, it just mm-hmm. becomes my favorite. I mean, the um, the mud pie ones were just extraordinary. So uh, I'll go with the mud pie. Yeah, you know, you can't go wrong there. And you can definitely check out more of a variety of their flavors, including a variety box on Built.com. And it is a perfect way to get your sweet tooth satisfied without putting all the bad chemicals and sugars into your body. So head on over to built.com today and use promo code locked 15 for 15% off of your next order. Kevin Fiala. Was his season this year, or I guess this past season, uh, was it a fluke because I don't want to say a fluke. It was a career high, 85 points, 33 goals played a complete season, which looks like, I mean, he's what he's 25. So he's still young, but do you think that it was something that was um, sustainable for him? Or was this more of a one-off situation? You know, I, I think we can look at, Kevin Fiala's season in a couple of parts. Early on in the season, he was on a line with both Freddie Goudreau, who coming into the season was more of a defense first type center slash wing. So he was on the line and there was a rotation of guys, Victor Rask, Nick Bugstad. Uh, just it, there just wasn't that other kind of go-to wing that he could really compliment and bounce off of uh, with his play. And so started the season off pretty slow in terms of goals. He's, he's got a good motor as it is. He's a good competitor. So those that look at the box scores kind of point to the, the lack of goals, but those that watch the games on a daily basis, they're like, yeah, he's still, he's still motoring pretty good. Once Matt Boldy came onto the scene and, you know, we, we talk about, just the wild overall hoping that some of those guys can exceed what is expected of them. 
Matt Boldy as a 20 year old, I don't know if you're going to be able to do much better than uh, <laughs> what Matt Boldy did. So getting those two on the line together, I think really just helped take Kevin Fiala's numbers over the top because those two just worked so well together. And so looking at him, removing him from the equation, I don't necessarily believe that it's going to lead to his numbers dropping. I think it just underscores how important it is to have a compliment wing for a player like that. We, we see on a nightly basis, Kirill Kaprizov, Matt Zuccarello, just magic complimentary wings mm-hmm. that are working together on that line. Fiala and Boldy were the same way. And so if the Kings can give him a compliment wing on whatever line he ends up, I would assume he'll be on the top line. Yeah. The Kings were one of the weirdest teams in the NHL last year. So I would assume he'll be top line, but if they can give him a compliment wing on that top line, he's going to perform at a similar level. Now, it's I, I think he can be an 80-point guy in the NHL. I think he can be a 30-goal scorer because there are a lot of factors. He's just hitting his peak, so he's just hitting his age 25 season, You know, which is where you expect players to really kind of take off. So could be that. Could be some of, of the Matt Boldy connection. Um, I'm not doubting that he'll be able to have similar levels of success if it, I don't know, because it there were definitely some parts to his season, and he had as torrid of a finish to the year as you could possibly have. He had 25 goals in his last 40 games. That's just that's, that's absurd. Incredible. So, will he do it that way, or will it be more spread out over the course of the season? It's going to be really interesting to tell because I think a lot of Wild fans will be keeping an eye on the Kings, mm-hmm. and depending on how things go for him. There will be some people that will try to, myself included, there will be people that will try to kind of diagnose like, okay, what's what's going on? Like if he gets off to where he doesn't have a goal in his first 10 games, something like that, people are going to say, okay, what what are the elements that have changed here? Right. So it's, it's going to be fascinating. I think he's certainly capable of it. That year one in, the, in LA is going to be very key as to if it's a trend – or if there were a lot of little elements, because the other one too, contract year. Yeah. Was going to be a restricted free agent, knew he was gonna probably be traded. Mm-hmm. So you're trying to impress the new team. So there might have been some of that too. He he's a great player, and I would have no doubt that he would be able to replicate it. I just gotta see it first. Yeah, you know, that's a really good way to put it too. And Like you said, he's entering that prime that, you know, I feel like 27, 28 is when you really start seeing that, like, their true prime, but 25, 26, like, that's, like, the catapult for it. Yeah. Um, You know, you see that with Andrew Mangiapane, too, who just had a 30-goal season and turned 26 during the season. So it's such an – I love that we can pinpoint, like – the age and when in their career this is where they're supposed to be this is where they should be you know are they underperforming overperforming what is going on do you think that his presence will be sorely 
felt? Like, do you think there'll be a huge gap in the lineup, even with some of these younger guys? I've tried to kind of caution as to just how hard it's going to be to replicate. I'll put it, I'll put it this way. Not only did Kirill Kaprizov shatter the franchise record for points in the season, goals in the season, uh, Kevin Fiala did too. He oh. broke the record for most points in a single season by a Minnesota Wild player. It was 83 by Marion Gabrick back in a long time ago. So not only did he break the old mark, but obviously mm -hmm. Kirill, first player ever to get over 100 points in a Minnesota Wild uniform. So that just gives a little historical precedence as to just how difficult it has been for wild players to do what he just did. And you take that and you remove it from the equation. So it's going to be tough to replicate that, but the wild and Bill Guerin are banking on a couple of things happening. They're banking on Matt Boldy taking a jump and he, what he was able to do in 47 games you're looking at, okay, if we extrapolate that over 80 to 82 games, that's about a 75-point pace. Now, not necessarily going to probably do quite that well, but maybe maybe he will. Right. So if you, if you take his numbers and you put that over a full season, that has basically replaced the Fiala production, and then what you need is for Marco Rossi to simply – perform at or better than what Matt Boldy did. So math wise, it checks out, but you see so many teams in the NHL that have that number one and number two option. Yep. It was Kirill and it was Kevin Fiala. And now he is, uh, is not a member of the wild. So somebody is going to have to step up. If Matt Boldy does, this team's going to going to do pretty well. If, players kind of have a tail off and I've, there are a lot of players who could potentially have a little bit of a regression. You had three guys that had career highs and goals by a wide margin. Uh, Ryan Hartman, Marcus Foligno, and um, Matt Zuccarello came close. Jewel Erickson Eck did achieve a career high in goals. So all of those guys, I'd say Jewel Erickson Eck probably the most likely to repeat, mm -hmm. but Ryan Hartman's career high before the 30, plus goals that he scored was like 15. Marcus Foligno was always like a 10 to 12 goal scorer, and then he had 22. So do those guys do that again, or do they come down to the pack a little bit? And, yeah. you know, I've, I've tried to kind of crunch the math a little bit throughout the offseason. Every goal that you don't score means that either the defense or the goaltending is going to have to be better to overcome it. So time will tell. Yeah, no, that's definitely a sticky situation. Uh, you know, hopefully Marco Rossi is ready too. I mean, I don't know where he's at. I know that his recovery process kind of took a little bit. Um, terrifying story there, but how is he doing? What's the latest with him? Well, the... Uh... The good news that I hear and see out of uh, the Wilds development camp that's currently under uh, going on right now is that he is far and away one of the best players on the ice. So I think the Wild were trying to be a little cautious with him this year. It seemed like as the AHL season wore on, 
he got more banged up. And so he ended the season. And when the Wilds put their list together of black aces, he was not included on that list. So a lot of fans were like, what's going on here? Where's, where's Rossi? And Michael Russo hit it pretty well on the head is that the team just wants him to get healthy. So yeah. it made more sense for him to just have the full off season. And by all accounts, he, he looks great. He's in good shape. And I, I think he is primed to have a fantastic season for this team. Um, so hopefully he's able to do that because like you said, the story was just was a nightmare of what he went through. And yeah. so it makes him an easy player to root for um, at once the season gets going. Absolutely. And I tell people the story all the time of how he was afraid to go to sleep because he didn't know what, if he was going to wake up and that's 18 years old when yeah. those are things you don't worry about when you're 18, you shouldn't have to worry about, but you know, obviously you just, you can't root against him. He, like you said, it's easy to root for and you just hope for the best. You hope that he stays healthy and everyone makes the right decisions when it comes to staying healthy and washing your hands because we just, you know, you never know. But coming up next, we are going to talk about the window of championships, how this playoff season panned out for the wild and of course what what could come next thank you all so much for tuning in to locked on flames um i'm currently on vacation so thank you for hanging out uh any news that has come out will you'll you'll catch it soon but seth the wild proved themselves this year i think to a lot of people to be a competitive team. I think that for a while they kind of had to get over this hump of an identity. Are we a good team? Are we a mediocre team? Do we even, are we even a team? Are we all on the same page? And that was one of the more interesting things to watch this season. Um, you know, I host the national show too. And one day I was looking at the standings and I was like, Oh, Minnesota. They finally have figured it out. Um, was there a defining moment for them as a team or a specific game where it all just sort of clicked? You know, it's funny because we, I think, felt like the I, – I don't know if people felt like the season was slipping, but the winter you had the Winter Classic and you get just throttled by the St. Louis Blues. And – I don't know what it was about that moment, but it seemed like everything after that just continued to rocket up to elite status. I mean, the, the team was doing well before the Winter Classic, ran into some uh, some COVID issues with multiple players having to be out of the lineup, rash of injuries. Mm -hmm. They put it all together after that and just went on an absolute tear to where you're beating the likes of the New York Rangers, you're beating the Washington Capitals, you're beating the Toronto Maple Leafs, you're beating just all of these teams that are these playoff juggernauts in the Eastern Conference. And I think there was a run there right up to the trade deadline where the Wilds are, are winning almost every night. I think they won something like – they won like 9 out of 10, and then they went on like a six-game winning streak after that some 
something along those lines. Yeah. And you're looking at that stretch and you're like, we, uh, we might be able to do this. And that's the whole thing that kind of encompasses this wild season and the Prezi suitor buyouts, because that was the objective of them when they were, were done is that it was going to give the wild some initial cap relief. It was going to hurt later, but I think it allowed Bill Guerin a chance to see if his team could really go for it. Right. And I, I look back to Chuck Fletcher's tenure a lot, especially with what's going on with the Philadelphia Flyers recently, which, yikes. <laughs> but it seemed like with Fletcher, he built, he had a core that he built. Mm-hmm. And you add Parisi and Suter to the mix, but it just it felt like under Chuck Fletcher, the Wild hit their ceiling, and they were never able to go over that. And so you bring Bill Guerin into the mix, and I will go. I'll go on record because this is what I said before the season started. I wasn't sure that the Wild were going to be able to replicate the success because they were just beating up on the teams in the West during the, uh, the COVID realignment. I thought you're beating up on Anaheim, San Jose, Arizona every night of the week. Are, are you going to be able to sustain that success going up against the entirety of the NHL schedule? Right. Well, they did. Um, but, but that's, I think where this team is at is, is they exceeded expectations, but now with, what is is going on with the buyouts? It's going to give Bill Guerin an opportunity to replenish the core. And with Fletcher at the helm for the Wild, it was always about filling particular spots. Like, hey, we need a fourth line right wing, so let's draft one. Or we need a third pairing defenseman, so let's draft one. Um, Wild's history of draft picks under Fletcher was real bad so i believe it (laughs) it it seemed like they just they hit their ceiling as like a fringe playoff team they just could never exceed it and then bill Guerin now has more grand designs of what to do with this team and so he is having judd brackett draft all these elite level prospects so that once they're ready to go there's a spot ready for them at the top of the lineup yeah that's how it it should work. I feel like you don't want to just, you know, if you have an immediate need for a player, like that, I feel like that's what you address in free agency and not in the draft because it takes a little time to develop. And after that, yeah. now again, I'm not a general manager. I don't pretend to be one on TV, but I have watched enough hockey to have some semblance of an idea of how things work. And I just feel like, we need a case study on Chuck Fletcher and how I, I don't, I don't know. Again, he's one of the GMs that I feel like might not even consult a magic eight ball, but he does something well, and he rationalize it. And like you, you look at just the, um, the difference in tone from the blue jackets general manager <laughs> when able being able to acquire a player, the likes of Johnny Goudreau, and how he was like, look, once we knew it was a possibility, we just full bore said, let's do it and we'll figure yeah. it out later. 
I feel like Bill Guerin is more on that level than what Chuck Fletcher said, where he wasn't comfortable paying the price to make it happen. Let's be clear here. The Flyers had to get rid of one contract. They had one remaining contract they had to get rid of to make it happen. We all know which one it is, but Fletcher did not want to pay the price to move the player, which would have been a draft pick. And then you have the Vegas Golden Knights who are just giving players away. Like, yeah, it's a draft pick, Chuck. Just just attach one pick and you end up getting like your franchise cornerstone. Right. It's crazy. And I just I really I can't wait for like 10 years from now when we just get a book from someone who just this is the conversation I had with Chuck. And this is, you know, I thought he was going to say yes, absolutely. And then he just hung up on me or something ridiculous because it's just that is just so Chuck Fletcher. And I feel bad for Flyers fans. I really do. My my adage that I used on Twitter was that he's going 35 and a 70. And yeah, just just in the like in the left lane, just just chilling, going 35 cars are honking at him. But, you know, as long as he gets there, when he gets there, he'll be fine. Whereas you've got other cars that are just weaving in going everywhere. So. The Wild have about $4.3 million left in cap space. Before we wrap up the show, do they have anyone that they need to re-sign? Um, re-sign, no. Um, the last of those players ended up leaving, that being Jordy Ben. That's right. Ended up uh, ended up leaving to, uh, to go elsewhere. I believe it was to Toronto, which... Yeah. Good have luck. Have fun. Yeah, um, good luck. Nick, you, Nick Bugstad went to Arizona. Nick Delorier went to Philadelphia on a four-year deal, which <laughs> not even going to try to explain that one. There's no logic. Um, but yeah, th- that was the that was the last of it for players that needed to be resigned, and so um, obviously going to need to keep an eye on the potential call-up salaries of Marco Rossi and maybe a couple of other players. Yep. But there are still some names out there that the Wild could add that uh, they could get for relatively cheap, including, as one of my listeners brought to my attention, a player whose Wikipedia page said that they currently play for the Minnesota Wild, Mr. Uh, Evan Rodriguez. So oh. I'm going to look at that a little bit because maybe that ended up happening and nobody <laughs> nobody told anything. missed that but. too. So I think they will add somebody on a true NHL level deal. It'll Mm -hmm. just be somebody that kind of after the dust settles from this week, it'll be somebody that they go in and they get. And you look at some of the free agents that Bill Guerin has signed. Freddie Goudreau obviously far exceeded his expectations. So Bill Guerin's got a track record of, uh, of being able to sign some pretty good free agent players on cheap contracts. So, I guess is he'll be able to do it again. Yeah, that, you know, that'll be interesting to watch. Um, I think the Wild are just a really fun team to root for because, again, like they give that underdog vibe. And if there's anything that Flames fans know, they are the underdogs that are just kind of always in the middle, except for this past season, which was an absolute fluke. But we don't have to talk about that. (laughs) 
So obviously, if you're interested in following along with The Wild and Seth, where can people find your show and you on social media? You can find Lockdown Wild anywhere you listen to your podcasts, any platform. Make sure to follow us on YouTube as well. We're uh, keeping you up to date on all things Minnesota Wilds with uh, every new episode that we do. So follow along for the fun. Uh, easiest Twitter account for the show to follow is mine. I still haven't mastered the art of tweeting on both yet. So it's probably easiest to just follow me. Um, the show account does tweet out new episodes, but most of the hockey thoughts are from my own personal account, which is at S E T H T O U P S. Perfect. That is going to be a lot of fun this season for you. I think, you know, Matt Boldy and Marco Rossi are going to be such difference makers on that roster. Um, you know, we got a sneak peek at what Boldy can do and who doesn't love a good little Boston boy. Um, so, you know, I'm a little biased there, but thank you so much, Seth, for joining us. Do you have anything you'd like to add before we close out today's show? Uh, nothing that comes to mind other than uh, I wish Chuck Fletcher the best of luck on his continued pursuit of absolute mediocrity. I like that. And I think that's a perfect way to end today's show. <laughs> and thank you all so much for tuning in.